Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive faith community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. So, Julika, I'm so excited that this is your first day preaching with us. I know, I'm excited too. <laughs> it's a big day. It's, I'm excited for everybody here to get to know you a little bit more, just like I have gotten to. And I, the more I know you, the more I trust you, and the more excited I am that you're on this team with us doing this important work. So, um, so here's the other thing, though, is that ever since you and I met, it's always been on Zoom, and I have always wondered what the story is of that tree. So tell me a little bit about how that tree came to be. I'm so excited. Thank you for asking because I actually put together some slides to show you how I built that tree and to show especially the kids and the youth. I'm very proud. First I set up some shelves. I wanted the kitty to be able to sit on it. Turns out the kitty, you can see how annoyed the kitty is. The kitty wants nothing to do with the shelves, but that's okay. And then after the shelves, I created the frame of the tree with chicken wire, which I stapled to the wall. Wow. That is a lot of work. (laughs) Yep, it was a lot of work. And then next, I covered it with paper mache. So, John, if you could click, thank you. Um, So this was like, three layers of newspaper with, you know, goopy flour and water. And it took a really long time. My husband actually helped me with this part. He was very great because it took a long time. And then I painted it brown and covered it in yarn. I think this is my favorite part. Because the yarn changes colors, like it, it's just one of those yarns that like if you were to make a blanket, it would make stripes. But instead, I thought it was just so mossy and tree looking. I just love this yarn. So I covered the whole thing in yarn. Wow. That must have taken forever. It's I'd a- love to see what else did you do to the tree? Well, then, then I had to think about what was going to happen in the canopy. So I made the flowers. And the flowers are made from coffee filters dipped in acrylic and water, acrylic paint and water. (laughs) This is so beautiful, just the way they're all laid out. And I have to admit, I look at the slide on the right and I think, what a bunch of beautiful multicolored undergarments there are there on that screen. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty sure, and now that I know they're coffee filters, I know that's not what you decorated your tree with. (laughs) (laughs) Many of my friends on Facebook said, are those bras? I didn't mean them to look like bras, but you're not the only one to notice that, Jen. There was a a big reaction when I I shared this picture on Facebook. It was kind of funny. (laughs) I believe it. So then did you hang those up? Let's see what that looks like. I made made flowers. Well, actually, first I put more chicken wire and I put the lights, the Christmas lights. And then I don't have a slide for the leaves, but the leaves are made out of towel and tablecloth that I sewed into, I have a serger, so I sewed each leaf and then I attached leaves to a strip and then I put the, 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 le- like the leaves up and then the flowers. And that's how, wow. it, that's how it happened. That is gorgeous. It's nice to see it up close because I usually see it from a distance. Is that, right. Yeah. What, what else does it look like? I think there's well, one more picture, right? So here's, yeah. here's the last picture. Yeah, I really like how it looks at night. At night, it's really magical. 
And sometimes if I have guests over, I put a bed underneath it here in this office over there and they get to sleep under a fairy tree. I think that's pretty cool. Oh and my then gosh. This is what it looks like in the day, just a little up closer, but there you, you see it here behind me. You see it right there. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks wow. like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was clearly a lot, a lot of work. So I have to ask why did you put a tree in your <laughs> office? <laughs> why is there a tree there? What's that about? All right, so there's several whys. The first why I wanna share is because I very passionately believe that everyone should have magic and imagination in their lives and in their actual rooms. Like, I need to feel the possibility and the magic of having something as ridiculous as a tree growing in my office. And the reason for that is because for me, magic and imagination lead to new ideas and possibilities. And new ideas and possibilities lead to social change and justice. Like those things are linked for me. And I, I, I think sometimes we lose the magic of childhood. I don't think we should have to. I think we should be able to stay connected to that. And so I would really love to hear from the kids and the youth and okay, also the adults, but mostly the kids and the youth in the chat right now. If you can, if you can come up and type, what is your brand of magic? I would love to hear how do you use imagination in your life? Because Jen, if I could get away with it, I would wear a costume every <laughs> Friday. Like I love to pretend. I love sci-fi fantasy books. They help me imagine a world where not just different races, but different species get along. I, you know, it, it just gives me joy and it gives me strength. So I want to hear from the kids and the youth. Do you spend hours building the island in uh, what's it called Animal Crossing? Or do you have, um, do you have a very elaborate world in Sims? Or do you sing into a hairbrush in front of a mirror and do you pretend to be a rock star? Like, how do you pretend? I want to see. <laughs> I can talk with animals. Yes, yes, and singing <laughs> Halloween for the win. I love Halloween. Minecraft, D&D. Yeah, an adventure in my eyelids. Oh, yeah, thank you. Singing Harry Potter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, great. pets, pretending to be a mermaid in the pool, for sure. Yeah, dress up. I wish we could dress up more. Maybe we're just going to start having costume parties at staff meeting then. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, why would we limit it to that? I think we'd need to broaden it out and let our people in. I want to see their costumes, too. Yeah, be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This could be something. Awesome. I like the uh, in my house cleaning, pretending to be part of a Broadway musical. Mm. Oh, that works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Way to go, grown-ups too. Nice. So many ways to bring in imagination and magic into our lives, right? So um, I'm so grateful for this story, Julika. I'm so grateful to hear uh, all the ways that folks connect to their imagination and to magic. And uh, I want to listen too. I know Amy's got a song for us.
and that creation of community that we do every week in this unusual virtual way and it's working and I can feel it I can feel the connection I can see it in the chat I'm so grateful that we are able to do this and I'm also really grateful to be in your virtual pulpit I'm excited I'm a little nervous mostly I'm excited and I want to continue sharing some stories with you about this tree and I'm going to be super transparent. The reason I want to share these stories is because I want you to get to know me. And not only do I want you to get to know me, I want you to get to trust me. And I know that that will happen over time. I know that that is something that takes its own time and it's a journey. And I think that trust is built on knowing each other. And so that is my intention today is to give you some more about me and about this tree and how it has become so meaningful in my life. And I look forward to hearing your stories too. So the next story I wanna share about the tree in addition to how it got built and why I think magic is so important, starts four years ago almost, the night of the election. So the night of the election four years ago, I went to bed not feeling very good. I could already see the writing on the wall. I had stayed up pretty late and it seemed like the outcome of the election was not going to be in alignment with our UU values. And sure enough, the next morning when I woke up, I found out that Donald Trump was elected our next president. And that was challenging for me on many different layers. And the most concrete one the first layer of challenge was the fact that my daughters had gone to sleep really excited to, um, to welcome their new first woman president. At the time, they were eight and almost 12. And now I had to break the news to them that that had not in fact happened. And their responses were very telling for me and they, and they kind of capture the impact of that day. When I told Sophia, who at the time was eight, um, that Hillary Clinton was not going to be our next president, she got quiet. And then she said, is he going to build a wall? And will Abu still be able to come see us? Abu is short for Abuela, that's what they call my mom. And my mom lives in Mexico. And then when I shared the news with Aliana, she took the news in for a good half minute. Like she was quiet for a really long time. And I just watched her. I could feel it coming in. And then the first thing that she said was, will you please process your citizenship papers as soon as possible? And uh, yeah, Oof, that was hard. And I did, I did process my citizenship papers and I am now an American citizen. And I must admit, I don't feel as safe as I thought I would as a result of that. It was a rough morning that day. And I know I'm not alone. I know it was a rough morning for many of us. And I know many of us had some tough conversations with our kids, with our friends, with our communities. It wasn't just a rough morning, 
It's been a rough four years, hasn't it? Yeah, being an immigrant in this country in this time has been a challenge. And you don't even have to just be an immigrant to be challenged in this country and in this time. We have all been challenged together. Some of us were challenged even before this administration and the administration made things worse. It's been rough. We'll talk more about that in other messages in other Sundays. For now, I'm gonna fast forward a month and I'm gonna tell you that I was in a gathering with other minister colleagues and the Reverend Sean Dennison, good friend of mine, was leading us through this really great art project where he just gave us some crayons and some paper and he said, just start drawing, don't think about it. And I usually doodle trees and draw trees. That's just something that I do. Trees have always been in my life and in my art. So I started drawing a tree trunk. And then Sean said, now make this protest art. Now find a slogan so that you would hold this poster up at a rally. And I was like, a slogan. And then, really, I don't know, out of nowhere, it came to me. And so this is the poster that I made then. And this is the slogan that came up. You will not uproot me. And that day, in this moment, in this poster, this tree was born. Like this tree became this tree. Because I realized that I needed a reminder that I belong here and that I can be rooted here and that I don't have to be anywhere else. And that, I, then, that no one's gonna take me away. I am here. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm gonna make a tree and I'm gonna put it in my office. And that's gonna be really pretty. So I wonder, what are the physical reminders in your space that this is who you are and this is where you belong and this is what centers you? What helps you stay rooted? When you look around your space, you're like, yeah, here I am. This is me. How do, how do you know that? And if I were to hand you some crayons and some paper right now, and I, I would just say, start drawing. And then I said, make a slogan. What do you want to say right now? What would come through your fingers? What would be your slogan in this moment? Maybe you want to do something about that after worship today. Maybe you want to make a little protest start. Or maybe you want to look around and say, I need to hang up that picture. I need to do that thing. All right, so the next story I want to tell you about this tree is that this tree is not just made out of paper mache and yarn and coffee filters that look like bras. This tree is also made out of theology. It is made out of meaning. And the reason that that's the case is because as I was building the tree, I was coming into this understanding. I was making new meaning about this tree as I was doing it. It wasn't like this poster and like the, the idea where it was born. It was more like a becoming. And I realized that this tree for me is a reminder of magical realism. 
And magical realism is really important for me right now. So I wanna tell you a little bit about that. Magical realism is a literary and art genre where you're, you're dealing with the everyday life, things that are happening, the usual, but then there's these like magical twists, these things that are impossible that all of a sudden happen. There, it's not like sci-fi fantasy, which is like a whole other world. It's this world with magic. It's this world with impossible things. And uh, magical realism for me is deeply, deeply rooted in my Latin American roots. So it is specifically about the writing, the novels, the poetry of Jorge Luis Borges, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Isabel Allende, and others. It's the art of Frida Kahlo. It's movies such as like Water for Chocolate. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about magical realism. And as I was building this tree, I remembered growing up with these stories and with this way of being. And I realized, oh, this is actually an orientation to the world. This is actually a way of being in the world that is gonna help me right now in this time of resistance and resilience. Because in some ways, a, a strong thread in the magical realism literature is a response to colonialism. It's a response to American imperialism. So I want to tell you one story to illustrate that. In Gabriel Garcia Marquez, um, Cien Años de Soledad, 100 Years of Solitude, in this novel, um, he creates this town, Macondo. Macondo is in every town in Latin America. It doesn't actually exist, but it's like every other town, right? And a lot of things happen in Macondo. And then one day, the Americans come. They come with progress. They come with the railroad. And really, they come to set up the Banana Republic, right? They come to, to harvest those bananas and wreck the local economy and do the things, very much as they have done in Latin America in the past 70 years. And what happens in the story is that it starts to rain. It starts to rain, and it rains for four years. Now, at the time that this book was written, this was not a commentary on climate change. And it, we didn't even know that we had a climate crisis on our hands back when Garcia Marquez wrote this story. So it wasn't about climate. Rather, it's this way that nature responds, that there is this kind of like, you know, those stories about trying to build roads in the Amazon jungle and then the jungle just eats all the machines. Like progress is not happening here, like, nope. Like that, like the rain is, is a response of nature of like, no to progress, no to this thing that is out of balance. Because what happens is the people of Macondo, they adapt. Instead of using horses and carts, they start rowing between houses. They start living on the second floor of their houses and they carry on. And the Americans, they leave because their machines rot and the, the railroad doesn't work, and they can't do what they had come to do. And for me, that's really helpful because it, it reminds me that magic and imagination and impossibility is part of the solution for justice and change. Like I said in the story for all ages, when you have magic and imagination, you have possibilities 
and new ideas. And when you have possibilities and new ideas, you have social change and justice. For me, those things are linked together. So this tree reminds me that I am rooted here and that I belong here. And it also reminds me that the impossible is important. I need to continue to think outside the box. There shouldn't be a tree in my office. What else shouldn't be? What else would the status quo have me believe about the way the world works? How can I use imagination and play and creativity and beauty to imagine things differently? How can I reset my own expectations? How do I get free and stay free? How can you use imagination and play and creativity and joy and beauty to reset your expectations, to do things differently, to get free and stay free? Let's keep talking about that because we're gonna need it. We need it now and we're gonna keep needing it. I'm looking forward to hearing your stories like these stories that I have shared with you. Where do you source yourself? How do you know that things are possible? Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.